0: So I want to point out that uh, I think as people who, as a producer and somebody who works in the, you know, the kind of bureaucratic side of the healthcare industry, maybe we were particularly susceptible to the show about internal politics and bureaucracy. (laughs)
1: Welcome to Mortified, The Friendship Quest, a podcast for two long-distance friends bounce media recommendations all in hopes the other will like it. I'm Aaron.
0: And I'm the consequences of these characters' actions.
1: And this week, we revisit the galaxy far, far away with the Disney Plus TV series Andor. Before we secretly find a terrorist organization, remember you can help us on Mortified, The Legitimacy Quest by subscribing to us on YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify, signing up for our monthly newsletter through the link in our show notes, or following us on Twitter and Tumblr at MortifiedPod. Layla?
0: Aaron? Is Star Wars good? So, by the law of just, like, sheer quantity, right, you can't hit it out of the park every time, right? The more Star Wars things you make, the more statistically you're going to hit some L's. Uh, Thankfully for us, this was W after W after W for 12 fucking episodes. This series, goddamn rules.
1: Yeah, right, like, here's the thing. Ever since about mm, 2019, Star Wars has kind of really struggled to find its place in in the new world. This was like, especially with, I want to say, like Book of Boba Fett and the new Obi-Wan show, like uh, Mandalorian did pretty well, but like those two in particular, I was a little bit disappointed by. They never quite really nailed Star Wars, but like Andor has been the first one that's really like, oh, this is great. This is great television. Um and I'm so I'm so excited that you watched it and I'm I'm glad because I know it was a huge time, you know, it was a huge demand of your time, but like I am glad that you you made it all the way through cuz I love this show.
0: Yeah, I and I mean like in defense of the book of Boba Fett and Obi-Wan like ugh, Star Wars is so big and there's so much going on in it like between the movies you know three trilogies of movies plus spin-offs you have right like rogue one and like uh the solo 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 mm-hmm. um That's and it. also there's a bunch a bunch of series the book of boba fett mandalorian um you know obi-wan andor and then there's it's shorts there's games there's lego star wars there's animated series like at this point so many people have had their paws on star wars and have put their fingerprints on Star Wars that there's like you could get 10 different readings of the franchise from 10 different types of fans mm-hmm. and you would get a description of 10 different Star Wars. Right. So I want to point out that uh, I think as people who as a producer and somebody who works in the, you know, the kind of bureaucratic side of the healthcare industry, maybe we were particularly susceptible to the show about internal politics and bureaucracy.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. The amount I identify with Cyril Karn is like... Bad because he sucks really bad.
0: Devastating. And
1: like, uh there, there's a bit where, where like, I, I, this show came out just as I was starting my new job as a bureaucrat, and like, there's a bit where his mom was talking about how like you have to sit up straight, otherwise nobody will respect you at your, at your job. And like, I had to give a meeting I had, I'd like lead a couple of meetings my first couple months of the job, and like, I was just thinking about that, just like sit up straight, please don't stutter, please be cool. And I was just like, I could just whenever I, I felt felt like I bombed a meeting, I could. Just just hear Edie's voice ringing in the back of my head and i was just like fuck god damn it um but yeah no i i really really like this show um and i think we're gonna spend you know the majority of our runtime just talking about what happens in it um with our new show format so um let's let's talk about andor
0: so uh a little bit of context this is the prequel series to rogue one um i personally have never seen it I don't know if I'm going to watch it, because I heard it's sad, and I'm sad, and that's a bad combo. Mm-hmm. Um, and for the purpose of this exercise, which, like, I find it very important to judge spinoffs on, like, do can they stand alone if in a huge franchise you don't have all of the pieces of context? I'm pretending Rogue One does not exist. Mm-hmm. Um, and for people not familiar with Star Wars at all, the only, like lingo you really need to know here is that the Empire is bad, and the Rebel Alliance is good. (coughs) Anyway, welcome to Andor! This show follows a man named uh, Cassian Andor, uh, a rogue that has a reputation for thieving, borrowing, and scamming his way through life in the industrial town of Ferex. While often the corporate-owned city of Morlana One looking for his sister, Andor annoys two corporate guards who decide to mug him at gunpoint. And in the altercation, surprise, surprise, Chekhov's gun goes off and the men die. Now, Aaron, mm-hmm. if you mug someone at gunpoint do you not know there is a risk of the gun maybe going off?
1: Here's the thing about these Primor security guards is that they're pretty immediately shown to be a bunch of doofuses. So, like, yeah, it's bad. Um, You know, right? Andor's not out here looking for a fight. They're just, like, mad that he gets better service at the Star Wars strip club, which, (laughs) like, the fact that there is even, like, uh, a brothel, in Star Wars, like, it shows the d- degree to which Tony Gilroy was given, like, a lot of, of leash in in this production. They get in this fight, they, you know, they try to mug Andor, um, we get our first indication that Cassian um, is, like, not a person to be fucked with, because he, you know, he's outnumbered, they have a gun to his head, and he's able to, you know, defeat one, you know, the gun goes off, accidentally kills the other. And then the first guy is just like, hey, wait a second. It's actually worse for me that that this guy died because now you have to shoot me too, don't you? And Cassian's like, "Yeah, I do." Actually, goodbye.
0: And he like tries to. He's like, "We'll, we'll go in together. We'll split the blame. It was an accident. He fell. It was it was a real um um that that number from Chicago. Um, we both reach for the gun, but you know, uh, Cassian's like, mm, no, and shoots him in the head. It's great. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh. Unfortunately for Cassian, the overzealous Deputy Inspector Cyril Karn, mm-hmm. um, Aaron's kin, defies don't say the that. direct...
1: <laughs> Even if it's true, don't say that.
0: Well, he defies the d- direct orders of his supervisor and um, mounts a full investigation of these two deaths of his co-workers. After tracking Cassian's borrowed ship to Ferrix and receiving information that the murderer was asking around about some lady from the abandoned mining planet of Canary. Karn puts out a call for tips. Specifically, he's like, I want information on a human male with dark features born on Canary. Uh, back on Faryx, uh, where this starts to set off some alarm bells, we get some more insight into Cassian's scammer lifestyle and his deeply patient friend, Brasso. Brasso, my king. Brasso is patient, he is large, and he is kind. He's mm-hmm. doing his best. And his friend sucks.
1: Yeah, he does have a friend. uh, You mean Cassian or?
0: <laughs> yeah, Cassian. absolutely. yeah, yeah Cassian is kind of a dirtbag. Yeah,
1: let's <laughs> l- listen. Not everybody on Ferrex is a good person, but a lot of them are trying their best. And the the best part of the world building on Ferrex is just like how clearly you can see that that community is very tight knit and everybody kind of trusts each other. Um, it's a- it's a really fun um, piece of- piece of world building, right? Seeing the big wall of all the workers' gloves. And, like, there's no, like, lock. There's no lockers, right? You can just tell that nobody's going to steal because, like, there's no point. Everybody knows everybody, everything about everybody else. It's really uh, it's really good and, and really effective. Uh, everything everything in Andor is just really impressive.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Glovewell, Glovewell fucks. Even just visually, it fucks. Mm-hmm. Um, so Brasso agrees to lie to give Cassian an alibi while he leaves low. Uh, then Cassian goes to see his adoptive mother, Marva, and their mm-hmm. home droid, Bemo uh marva played by the lady who plays Aunt petunia in harry potter
1: yeah i know aunt petunia very very funny um she does a great job you know she's a very effective um like old mom
0: crushes it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh one of my favorite performances is absolutely uh marva uh, yeah so she uh <laughs> she's like hey dipshit what'd you do mm-hmm. <laughs> actually i don't want to know who have you told that you were born on canary and Cassian's like, "Who have you told mm-hmm. that I was born on Canari?" And she goes, "Family." And they get into an argument because both of them have justified reasons as to you know the the people that they told about Cassian's um, birthplace of kenari yeah um but you know at the same time it does set off some alarms for him where he's like fuck like who knows uh, am i gonna get turned in
1: that sequence is very fun because he at first gets like his mom is like i'm worried about all the women that you've hooked up with you fucking slut <laughs> and then he's like mom you always talk to all these randos like and she, he like drops a, a name of somebody that's not related to them but she's like oh they're family that doesn't count and it's just like a very fun like family argument
0: Yeah, with very high stakes. Mm -hmm. Um, But as a result of this mishap, Cassian starts to desperately try to find a way to get some credits, credits being Star Wars currency, uh, and to get off planet. He decides to contact his ex-girlfriend, Bix, Bix, the lead love interest in Morbius... Wild.
1: <laughs> Just wild. Uh, and
0: also, but I know her for, as uh, anathema device from uh, Good Omens, which I she see. also did a great job in. Mm-hmm. Um, Morbius, a film I have seen and immediately wiped from my mind. I read that and was like, couldn't have, couldn't have, if you, if you put a gun to my head, I would not have been able to tell you she was in Morbius. Yeah. Um, but uh, so he goes to Bix and uh, he's like, hey, I have this like rare stolen piece of Imperial equipment. Uh, Can you contact your shady buyer, your fence, that you you contact for all your stolen Imperial equipment? And Bix is like, fuck no, but then she ends up doing it because she finds out the part is very expensive, and the buyer, for some reason, has always wanted to meet Cassian anyway. Unfortunately, Bix's current boyfriend, Tim, finds all of these meetings with Cassian Fishy in both the my girlfriend is cheating on me and in this known charlatan is causing her grief kind of way. (laughs) And so he calls... Karn's tip line. Uh, the next day, as Cassian meets with Bix's mysterious buyer, uh, they are ambushed by Primor forces led by Karn. Talk about sad speeches. It's rough. It's so painful to watch. In a show full of like legitimately great hero speeches, like I usually think they're kind of cheesy, but there's a couple of like, uh, uh, we'll talk about the, the prison break speech was great. Uh, And Marva's uh, hollow speech was really great. Mm -hmm. Um, In a show full of great speeches, this was like hard to watch. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it's a sad boy.
1: uh, Karn is is such an interesting character because of the way that like, you can see that he he just so desperately wants to be a leader and a hero. And he just like shits the bed at every turn. Um, and that's that's why ultimately I sympathize so much with him, even though he's a creep and a fascist. Like, I, I just, there's so much of, like, my own insecurity that I see in that character, and I'm just just like, ugh.
0: He takes the creep turn so fast, it's, mm-hmm. it's unhinged. We'll get to mm-hmm. it. Um, so, uh, because of the ambush, no sale was made, the whole thing turns into a complete shit show, people die, pre employees get hurt, and Tim straight up dies. But Just as with the pre-war guards, Tim did not have to rush in to save Bix here. Bix was fine. They would have let her go.
1: Yeah, Tim's a fucking idiot.
0: (laughs) Tim rushes in and Tim gets shot. Uh, and he dies. So, once again, consequences of his own actions. Not to victim blame a murder victim, but consequences of his own actions here a little bit. Listen,
1: fuck cops, um, but also fuck Tim. So.
0: It <laughs> <laughs> <So> sucks. <laughs> Tim started out so strong, but ended up sucking so hard. Yeah. Um, the buyer, Luthan, recruits Andor to help uh, uh, hit the rebellion as. A bit of a um a mercenary to Moonlight is a little bit of of some a hired muscle. Mm-hmm. The mission though is to lift a whole shit ton of money from an imperial garrison on the planet Aldani. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, so here's where we meet our ragtag band of characters: Vel, Nemec, Skeen, Tamarin, and Sinta. We'll talk all uh, about all of them briefly. The only ones you need to remember though are Vel and Sinta. Um, and I guess Nemec, if you, like, feel like remembering him, uh, I do because I love him. Um, but the boys all get fridged. Finally, equality.
1: There we go. That's feminism. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's the boys die of feminism. So Vel is the, like, you know, she's the leader. Talk about someone with something to prove, right? Like, she's also very self-conscious of her leadership.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: What do you think about her? At least on this first impression. We learn a lot about Vel. There's a lot. Yeah, Vel, Vel
1: gets a lot of character development later on. But, like, yeah, I mean, like, I, I think the, the, the opening of the Aldani arc is a very interesting thing. Because you get Cassian thrown into this, situa- this w- wild situation with a bunch of randos. And you just kind of see how he handles himself uh, among all these people. And, like, we see Vel and, and we see how, like, she is, like, so mad that this has just been thrown this, this responsibility of having to deal with this extra man has just kind of popped up out of nowhere and how, like, she, she you know, is frustrated and, like, thought that Luthan was going to be able to let her lead the mission on it, on her own, but now, like, Cassian's here and she's feeling undermined by that. But also just, like, there, there's so much going on and she's trying so hard to hold it together. You really, I really, like, sympathize with her and, and this whole situation, um... And I th- and I think she does a really good job, like considering the incredibly high stakes and high pressure of of the the heist that she you know is in charge of. Like, um, I think she does a you know a remarkable job, even though you know at the very end she freezes up a little bit. Like she she manages to pull off you know the the biggest heist that has ever happened to the empire. So like, really really good. I Vel, I like Val a lot.
0: Yeah, I I tend to relate more to Cinta, who's very like. Mission first, rebellion first, like, the cause first, to the point where Val, like, there's some, like, heartbreaking one-liners. There's just some real devastating shit in the show. And it, there's a point at which Val hasn't seen Sinta in a while. They're together. They're lesbians, sir. Talk about creative control. We get canonical lesbians mm-hmm. um, that are not, like, a background kiss. Um, and uh, Val is just standing in the background while Sinta's looking out the window, like, on target, on mission, talking about the job. And Val's just like, good to see you, too. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oof.
1: The struggle comes oof. first. We take what's left.
0: Right. Uh, I really quickly want to dip to Skeen and Tamarin before we talk about Nemec. Uh, Skeen is a scumbag and he sucks and he dies. <laughs> um, after telling uh, after the mission, when they have the money, he's like, hey, Cassian, me and you, 50-50, and we fly off and 40 mil credits is like enough to make me forget about you. Let's fuck off. Uh, and Cassian shoots him in the forehead as he should have. Uh, And then Tamarin used to be a stormtrooper. He dies uh, during the battle at Aldani. Um, And then there's Sweetie Nemec, my angel Nemec. Um,
1: Uh, Yeah, Nemec's great. I mean, like, you need to have, like, a naive kid that, like, truly believes in the cause that gets gets got right to motivate a character. Right. Um, and it's very funny to me that Nemec is like the theory kid, right? That he's all about writing the political consciousness, you know, theory of the rebellion. He gives, he wills and, or his manifesto. Right. Um, But like, uh, I really, I actually asked my agent if she could get me a job writing that manifesto. I don't think that's going to happen. But like, um, I I really, I like Nemec a lot. I think he's a very fun character. And, you know, he he is the archetype of the naive believer. um, But like, he, you know, he is clearly in love with Cassian also, which is very fun. And, um, you know, rip to a real one.
0: Yeah, and he also like we we gotta get faked out because you meet Nemec and you're like, there's no way this kid does not die. Mm-hmm. There's no way he he makes it through this. Just just the way stories happen. You yes, know? right. Uh, but he survives the whole heist, the whole shootout, and he gets crushed by a rack of credits.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah.
0: And it is sad, and it's but he like man what a sequence when they're flying through the eye he like pulls it together to use his navigator to call get cassian out of the the eye while the other two are like t- too focused on saving him mm-hmm. uh it's an incredible sequence uh i loved it very very much um but yeah so despite some close calls the gang pulls off the high sun aldani the only remaining survivors separates so cinta uh still back on on aldani she's like wrapping up there Val left with Nemec's body and enough loot to fund rebel activity for like a hot minute. I think it's like 80 million credits total that they took. Mm -hmm. And Cassian um, went off to get his mother and take her to a deserved beach retirement. And that is Andor's incredibly happy ending. And there's no more show. Uh, Everyone's cool and chill and Cassian's on a beach. Um, Yep. Except not. Except, nope, there's (laughs) six
1: more episodes. (laughs)
0: Uh, so the botched uh, Fesh operation on Ferrix. so that's Karn's mission, lands Karn in a lot of hot water with his supervisors and attracts the attention of uh, Nazi FBI, which is the Imperial Security Bureau or ISB. Um, weirdly though, the operation to stop two guys with pistols somehow snowballs into what sounds like an armed and dangerous targeted conspiracy to fuck with the Empire. Like legitimately Karn was just going to stop like one shitty thief who happened to be with another shitty thief and they had two pistols between them. But because of the like criminal incompetency of his leadership, like there were explosions, grand theft, auto, people die like horrifying.
1: If this if this happened in, like, your local city, like, some guy, some fool cop tried to take on somebody and, like, blew up a city block and got four of his colleagues killed, like, it would be, like, an incredible disaster.
0: <laughs> Which is exactly what this was. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, Carl loses his job and has to go back to live with his mother, Edie talk about an incredible performance she's awful but so delicious to watch right um and uh he attracts the attention of our favorite favorite imperial girl boss dedra miro
1: how do you feel about Detra?
0: i mean i love to watch her
1: yeah i mean she's great up until the point where she starts psychically torturing people and then it's like oh yeah she's she's a bad guy I forgot about that <laughs>
0: Well, that's the, that's like the, the uh, it's such like a fun, incisive critique of like girl bossery, right? I think the thing I like about Dedra as a character is um, she's so dedicated to the cause, right? Um, where she's just like, she wants to do a good job. But when you, and she'll like break rules to do it and, and like piss people off and, and, you know, like really like, like she's driven to excel But when you back up for, like, a second, she doesn't have any real motivation to do so. Like, she's not, there's no promotion on the line for her, no monetary gain, she's not being blackmailed, um, no one's gonna, like, take her to be Palpatine, you know, like, it is, it is just all of this energy directed at nothing, right, at just, like, sheer zeal for the system she's a part of
1: well also i think it's climbing the ladder right like as soon as she gets in that fight with blevin right he's just like you've been here what a year like you should probably study the ladder before you start climbing it and then even when she does like a really good job in in her presentation with part uh she he's just like hey good job watch your back <laughs> like if my boss told me that like i would be not i would be looking for a new job <laughs>
0: Oh, yeah, I'd have an anxiety attack and leave 100%. But at the same time, like, there's no one... The path up the ladder for her is not spelled out for the audience. So it's not like... Right. Uh, like a goal for her, right? It's not like a clear motivator. It's just kind of this, like, nebulous... But again, like, oh, she's climbing towards what? Like, she's never going to be emperor. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I, I I think that makes her really interesting. Um, yeah. But so girl, Bastetra uh all of her just like karn's boss uh her boss is like this is nothing this is random sure they succeeded on aldani let's crush them it'll be over like it doesn't matter Dedra's is like no no there are these are targeted systematic thefts this is a pattern they're gathering weapons and uh basically gets laughed out of the room uh, but she's gonna get she's gonna get to the bottom of this right like we said she's a girl boss she's not gonna stop at this point, we also get more information about Bix's mysterious buyer slash recruiter uh, because the biggest chunk on uh, Luthen's long-ass resume is actually owning an art gallery. <laughs> uh, him and his assistant, Clea, another girl boss queen, I love Clea, um, they run their secret Rebel Alliance radio service out of the back room of their uh, art gallery, but in the front, they welcome one of their favorite clients, Senator Mon Mothma. So here we get Luthen, we get Clea, we get Mon let's talk uh clea talk about a bitch that has the the fucking global picture in her sights
1: right She she's the one who's like we should kill andor because cassian at the end of the aldani heist is like i can't take this anymore i'm taking my cut and i'm leaving he's not going to continue working with the rebellion um coward king yeah as such um you know clea tell you know is the one who pushes luther to set out a hit on him right like she's like okay well she, he's met you He knows you you we should kill him um right and, and eventually right like you know luther is still like very shaky about it. he doesn't really want to kill castin cuz he likes him um McClay is all no nonsense. Just like, hey, this is what we need to do. To you know, we've got to make sure you're protected. Like every time there's an opportunity for Luthan to like meet someone in person, she's always like, no, let me do it. Let me find a proxy. You need to get to safety because she, you know, in the end is is like very interested in protecting the rebellion and knows that Luthan is 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 the axis uh, as the empire calls it.
0: Yeah. Uh so he's the buyer but but Girlboss Dedra is like we're going to call him Axis because mm-hmm. we don't know who he is but he's the axis of all these like interactions. Um yeah, Clay Girlboss Queen, Luthen. Luthen's an interesting character because I can't tell if he actually wants a rebellion or if he wants the picture of a rebellion because he posits himself as this like kind of Machiavellian like a time calculating um you know, leader of this, like, disorganized rebellion, and he's willing to, like, kill and sacrifice and burn his own resources to, you know, like, for for the greater mission. But uh, the thing that makes the rebellion, or at least, like, the thing that makes Cassian successful, uh, and, like, makes you want to follow him and what makes, like, the prison break so compelling to watch, um, is, like, this camaraderie same thing with barracks right this like camaraderie and sense of community and luthan is just not fostering that at all um so it makes his like his shit a little bit interesting to watch because you're like like what are you driving at what is your vision post empire um and you can't really tell um and then mod mothma what a queen i'm so glad she's here she's just like you know, she's just a, like a fun neolib trying to set up her wildlife foundations and into deep with a rebel alliance. and nobody told her what the consequences of her fucking actions would be. yeah, um
1: yeah. um, like it's very funny right um the the a more civilized aged podcast with you know um austin walker and and all those folks like you should if you if you like Andor, you should go and listen to to that podcast because they do a break to episode by episode breakdown and it's very good uh but they make the comparison of like mon mothma to hillary clinton right for a bit where she's just like you know she
0: even has the clinton hairstyle
1: right right exactly uh but like also it's very much like if that was all a front and hillary clinton was very much like sending dollars to hezbollah right (laughs) like just a completely and the funniest thing is that she doesn't know she's just like when when aldani happens she like goes to luthan and she's like did you did you know this was gonna happen and luthan's like hey girl (laughs) you they're doing genocide <laughs> you know this that's what you all your the gorman shit is all about is is preventing genocide and like she she even like her terrible husband has like dinners with the people who are starving the like people that she's trying to protect like it's i mon mothma is you know one of my favorite characters in andor because we get to see the politics of star wars and how messy and weird they are
0: yeah i mean like you called out one of my favorite scenes which is like mon coming home and her husband's just, she's just like, what's happening? And he's, he's prepping the dining room. And he's like, well, we're having that meeting. And she's like, what do you mean? And he shows her the guest list, and she's like, bro
1: <laughs> hey henry kissinger's on this list did you know that and he's like yeah we play pool together on sundays like it's just uh so good when she's just like please let me sit on the other end of the table you're if I, you sit me next to these war criminals we're gonna have a bad time and he's just like "Ugh, must everything be boring and sad it's just like shut up parent you suck so bad
0: yeah, parents sucks ass, um, but again, sucks ass in a way that's deliciously fun to watch, mm-hmm. um, because he's he's just like a spoiled little rich boy, you know, and you find out that uh, just like due to their cultural custom, him and mom got married when they were 15, mm-hmm. um, and so they've been together forever, and they hate each other. <laughs> like,
1: yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, and then they have this daughter who is a trad calf, which like is awful, because he enables her.
0: Cause like truly it's like it's like if Hillary Clinton, if Chelsea Clinton suddenly started running a trad wife lifestyle blog. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. that's what this feels like. Yes, no, it's um, wild. It's it's sure something. Um, so back on Ferrex. Uh, Cassian finds that he is being kind of blamed for a bunch of the explosions and stuff of his hometown and he needs to get his ass out of Dodge because as Brasso puts it, uh, literally anybody will turn you in. Uh, people do not like you right now. Uh, so he goes to see his mom, uh, Marva, who, and he's like, hey, uh, me and you, we're off to Rio. We're going to live our life on the beach. It's going to be great. And his mom is like, okay, I need to think about this. He goes to Bix. Bix is like, Tim's dead. You need to leave. And Cassian's like, we'll do, don't worry. So, uh, he... Uh, when Cassian returns to Marva to be like, hey, we're going to Rio. Let's go, me and you. Uh, she says, no, I am too old. I am too tired. The Imperials are here. I'm a rebel now. I'm going out fighting. Fuck these guys. Cassian's like, absolutely not. And she's like, you can't make me go. And he's like, okay, but I have to. And she goes, I know. And so he has to go without her, um, and uh, it, he goes off. Uh, you know, he says he's going to come back, and he goes and he uh, has a beach retirement of his own, and that's Andor.
1: Hmm. Except it's not. <laughs>
0: yeah except no. he gets arrested for doing nothing uh literally nothing so he was just walking to the store
1: the arrest sequence is one of my favorite bits and like i said in the comments to your notes because like you you haven't seen rogue one so you you've never seen what the the k2 droid looks like but in rogue one k2 so is like uh is a you know imperial droid that's been reprogrammed to like help the rebellion and he's like cassian andor's best friend so I-, I love this because like a lot of the stuff that i don't like about recent star wars is that it's all very callbacky so like at first you think this is a callback it's gonna be like oh okay shit this is this is k2so this is how cassian mates K- k2so when he's being harassed by this policeman on the beach and it is not um uh, <laughs> this droid like this you know stormtrooper comes up and he's like you know harassing uh, andor and then he he tells the droid like hey you know i need some Help with this guy, uh, hang on to him while I go chase these other perps. And like the droid just like turns to Andor and he's like, He said, Hang, and Cassia's like, Hey, no, no, he meant like, Watch. Uh, and then the droid picks him up by the throat and slams him against the wall, and it's just like horrible because he's like choking him to death. Um, and it's just like a complete subversion of of, like the fun, like, Oh, this is where he's gonna get rescued by K2SO. No, no, it's not. This is where he gets sent to prison for six years. (laughs)
0: This is where he gets sent to prison for, uh, going to 7-Eleven to pick up, uh, fucking gummy worms and condoms.
1: Uh, Pizza. Like
0: <laughs> <laughs> Is the Star
1: Wars thing he's picking up.
0: The greeny-green ones. hmm Um, so, yeah, and the reason he goes to prison for so, his, uh, for all his little petty crimes, normally he'd get a sentence of, uh, six months, but because of the new public order resentencing directive which is the fun new law they passed after Aldani mm-hmm. to uh you know get pe- put pressure on the people to stop uh harboring rebels uh it is now 6 years and this is also a retroactive law which means anybody already in prison had their sentences increased
1: yep yep it sucks it sucks uh, it's so bad it's miserable Like uh, this, this is this, the, the Star Wars we see in, in episode four, we know is bad because they have a gun that blows up planets. And like, that's interesting and fun, but it's a little corny. It's a little bit like, okay, yeah, that's yeah. Super villain shit. This is very much more, like, gritty and realistic, and, like, this is what empires actually do, which is, you know, force you into a, a work camp and, dis- and you know, disguise it as public safety, and then retroactively double your sentences. And, like, this next three bits of episode, the, the um, Narquina 5, Jesus, okay. <laughs> um, right, so you know th- this this whole whole segment on, on Arkina 5 I think is like my be- my favorite like bit of storytelling in Star Wars just because it is like so impressively done um it, it, like it doesn't like have a whole lot of Star Warsy shit but like just the character beats and moments and, and and the ways it's employed are just truly impressive from a from a technical and and storytelling standpoint that like it's it's my favorite shit
0: oh absolutely um and the prison itself is really cool too, because it's not like your traditional work camp, where it's not like dirty and you know, like like I'm thinking opening to Les Mis, right? Like chains, right?
1: Like nobody's deliterous. singing "Look down, look down, <laughs> you'll always be a slave," but the it is that is ultimately the the end goal,
0: <laughs> right? This place is like sterile, and the the first hint you get that like. Something's afoot. Pardon the pun. Are the the guards like funky shoes? Mm-hmm. And basically, you find out that the any section of the floor can like fry you to death at any moment. Uh, that the, that's what the guards do. They they use the floors to literally fry the inmates. Um, and so he goes to this work camp. They're building something. Who knows? It's like the factory in uh, the Simpsons or not the Simpsons. Sorry, it's the factory in. Um, weird the the Al Yankovic story where like every time he asks what are we building, everyone just like laughs in his face and no one gives him an answer. Oh, no. They don't know what they're building. There's just like five uh I think there's like seven floors, seven rooms, uh seven tables, seven seven men to each table. So it's That's like right. five hundred men approximately a floor. Um and he ends up in the care of Kino Loy. Um and finds out that the most productive table uh gets flavor to their food and the least productive table gets uh punished by like a shock through their feet
1: Mm -hmm. do you know who plays kino loy can you tell
0: is it i didn't look him up but he did look familiar uh who is it
1: andy circus he's a lot of really great yeah i know incredible talent
0: andy circus in this role yeah he's so good uh, so back on Coruscant, which is the, the like capital city where Ma Mothma is, uh, in the beautiful ivory geometric walls, uh, they continue to close in on our Senator Ma Mothma, who is having more and more issues moving all her money around and is frankly upset at the amount of hubbub Aldani has caused. Mm-hmm. Luthan tells her to suck it the fuck up <laughs> uh, and that this is the cost of revolution. He's not wrong, but he's a dick. So yeah, <laughs> you get yeah, to-
1: that's Luther baby.
0: Uh, this is also when we see Val return, but mm-hmm. instead of the rugged mountain sheep herder, we met her as, Well, she's mom's cousin. She's mm-hmm. a spoiled little rich girl.
1: Right. Right.
0: Surprise. Mm-hmm. Uh, she comes to visit, spoil her niece. And then whenever Perrin is like, oh, you're of spinster age. Why don't you settle down and find a husband? She makes veiled jokes about her lesbianism. It's a good time.
1: Yeah, it's great.
0: Um, uh, so and then you know, uh, back with the ISB, as Dedra convinces that her colleagues that the chickens are organizing, uh, mm-hmm. which is a reference for the ten people that listen to us when mm-hmm. we see Chicken Run. Mm-hmm. Uh, she catches on to the existence of Cassian's apparent accomplice and Bix's buyer, who this is where she names him Axis, and she rightfully thinks that this mysterious figure is at the center of all this coordinated rebel activity, and now she wants to find him and Cassian Andor um meanwhile luthan who around this time realizes that cassian knows who he is and could be his operations weakest link this is where he decides to put the hit on him (laughs) um cassian who is still in prison and slowly trying to organize a breakout because of course he is actually talking about favorite sequences that long drag of cassian going to prison of like him resisting at every turn because cassian's been to prison before And he doesn't want to go back obviously (laughs) who would want to go back to imperial prison just like the heartbreak on his face and that reluctance and all that like he he doesn't expound on his trauma but like you can tell it's there right like he looks haunted um by the concept of going back to prison um he's trying to organize a break from prison obviously uh, and this is helped uh, by a catastrophe on a different work floor, where one of the inmates was released and then immediately reassigned to a different floor. The inmates on that floor found out, realized that there was no fucking getting out of this prison, rioted, and the Imperial soldiers fried all of them. All 490, day shift and night shift.
1: Uh, it's Technically, it's 100, but it is still bad.
0: <laughs> oh, sure. 100, well... Listen, <laughs> listen. Not still a to- mass <laughs> murder.
1: <laughs> listen, it's fine. um Yeah, yeah. No, the the ways in which like the cruelty of the imperial prison is described and like continues to like get worse and worse the more you learn about Narquina is just like really. Uh, it's really something to to. Be applauded as a storytelling mechanism because it's like okay, not only are they like forced against each other with this weird system of tables, not only are they competing to have taste added to their food, but now also you know it, it's it's made clear that they are not being played fairly with like they they whenever their like little clock runs down, the the fact of the matter is they're being um, just sent back to do more forced labor and like it's uh, and the fact that they're just like they panicked and they're like okay we can't let that get out because they're gonna be really upset uh, if that happens Uh, and they kill a hundred dudes to to make sure that 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 doesn't that secret doesn't get out and it's just like uh, the the narke the narkees sequence is incredible
0: yeah uh, so with that uh, you know with that happening uh, Cassian finally gets through to Kino Uh, do you want to talk about how this fucking prison break goes
1: yeah yeah i mean the the prison break on narkina 5 is like truly just like an incredible piece of, of like storytelling and stake setting it is it is tense all the way through it is um it, it starts with like you know cat like kino and cassian realizing they have to fight back otherwise you know they're, they're gonna die here um and just escalates from there where like they they make this plan. Cassian goes to cut the a wad the water in the bathroom, so that way it'll spill out onto the electrified floor. Uh, so that way, when they spark it, it shuts down all of the 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 electricity, so they can't get them anymore. And then then once they do that, when they're bringing a new man down, they attack the elevator and like climb their way up through. Um, until they can actually get on top of the the platform, and they they start to take out the guards, and they slowly but surely take over the entire prison because the guards are just not staffed enough to to handle five thousand men. Um, and you know they they take over the prison. Uh, Kino gives this incredible speech where he's just encouraging everybody to um, you know help their help their friends and comrades get everybody out. You know they they have this like really tense like fight they are able to to make their way all the way to the top of the prison um and they make it uh they get to the top of this prison people are jumping off because basically the the prison is kind of like submerged underwater um into like this weird dam and it's it's all hydroelectrically powered um so they have the only way they can get out is by jumping off of the the top and into the ocean that surrounds an um and it's revealed at the very end that kino cannot swim uh and cassian's like wait what uh and then he's knocked off before he can do anything to save kino um and that's that's how it ends it is tragic and perfect and i i love it i think it's an incredible bit of storytelling
0: yeah oh my god the line delivery of i can't swim is so fucking good and Mm -hmm. again right like in comparison to um the speech that karn gives this is like like Kino needs a little bit of encouragement but he gets in there right. And and again the difference between the rebellion that Luthen is trying to build and this like organic revolt of like you know truly like of the people by the people for the people mm-hmm. is that you know he does say like if you see somebody slow or confused get them moving and get them out like we are going to get out of here we are going to do this we are not going to let them let them like Lord, this over us anymore. And then you contrast that with Luthen willingly sending one of his operatives to die because the ISP found out about his plan and being like, well, rebellion requires like sacrifice. You really start to see like the nuances of revolution, of Mm -hmm. like, where can you build community? Where does it become naive to do so? Like, where are you risking more than you gain by valuing people for their humanity? Like, when when do both sides have to play a little dirty? It's gross, right? It makes you feel icky. It's not good. No. Um, but it's such a compelling story. Like, ah, it's 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 and/or it's like exquisitely written, really. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, super super huge kudos. But so. Uh, one way out, they bust out of prison, uh, and we cut back to Ferex, um, where the imperial pressure is increasing, Bix gets captured and tortured, um, in a very interesting way.
1: Yeah, the torture is, like, really cool in, in a really fucked up sort of way. <laughs> um, do you, do you remember specifically how it, how it is?
0: I missed like exactly what it was, but isn't it like the the choir of dying children of some sort of people right
1: the the Empire was clearing out a planet and they found a sapient species that like whenever they scream, they produce like a psychically like terrifying noise. Um, and they specifically got the, the voices of the children they murdered of this species, and like remixed it <laughs> in audacity to make it extra uh, torturable. And they put it in like a cool little VR headset. And they they put not it's not a VR headset, it's audio only. But um, they they make you listen to that until it, it um, ruins you. Uh, and it's it's a really a really cool way to do it. It's a really you know, like I don't know I don't like describing any sort of torture is cool but like if you're gonna do like a torture sequence with an evil empire like this is the a very interesting way to do it um and also you know to to be fair the united states tortures people using sound also so like eh. it's not right it's not unheard of
0: yeah uh no the the thing too about these sequences is that we start to see dedra like her kind of, like, enjoyment of this process come out, too. Like, she, Bix literally, like, she's just like, hey, Bix, you, you should tell me everything. And Bix is like, you're not going to believe me anyway. Mm-hmm. And Judger's like, no, you're right, I won't.
1: Yeah. Uh, and yep. then,
0: in general, the sound editing in this movie, or er, movie, I watched it like a movie. <laughs> like a, like a <laughs> right. sitting and a half.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, In this show... Um, there's a really cool, my king, one of my favorite characters, the anvil guy in on Ferrix, there's just like a man in a clock tower who bangs an anvil to signal to start at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's a really cool, like, auditory piece of world building. And then when Karn and his team show up, everyone's like rattling on any sort of metal they can find. So the whole city is kind of like, there's not an alarm, but like there's a racket, right? And so everybody knows that when this like type of noise is happening, like something's going on. And you hear it a couple of times, it's like cacophony. The cool thing about this, again, torture is not cool, but the, the technically cool thing about this scene is that when he puts the headset on, it's the monster that you don't see or you don't hear. Because you don't hear anything as the audience for a bit. When the headset's right. on, there's silence. And then Bix just starts screaming. Yeah, um, yeah. So I thought, I, you know, if, if you can't show a, a monster horrifying enough, you just don't show it and you show the reaction. Mm. Um, so it worked really well. I, I, This scene was very well executed, I think. Um, so Bix is captured. Yeah. Um, uh, back on Coruscant, uh, Mon's uh, banker friend, uh, who is also a neolib, uh, informs her that she's got nearly a half milli credits unaccounted for in the wake of an Imperial inspection. Uh, and the only way to stop this is like a very specific banker from a very specific city who can do some very specific things. And Mon is like, okay, you're leading to a name. Just tell me who it is. I don't like the way you're dragging this out. And uh, her friend is basically like, it's this guy you hate whose name does not really
1: Davo Skulden is his name. He's like a He's like a mobster, basically.
0: Yeah. And Mon is like, no. And he's like, hear him out, though, or you're fucked. So she hears him out, uh, and she's like, okay, what's your cost? Interest? Like, what do you want? And he's like, I don't want money. And she's like, I don't want to owe you a favor, though. And he's like, well, that's too bad because I want you to owe me a favor. And what he wants is to introduce their teenage children. Because once again, in their custom of their people, they get married very young. Mon immediately is like, no, fuck that. Vel, when she hears about it, is like, no, fuck that. Both of these women are not into this. And Even when- Perrin is
1: like not into this, right? Which I think is so interesting yes. because Perrin sucks too. And like, and, um, when Mon and... Um, uh- it's not Clea, it's Vel, are talking about this, um, and then she's like, is this Perrin's idea? And she's like, actually, no, he's very open-minded, uh, about the subject, like, he, he doesn't wanna, he doesn't think of these conservative, you know, traditional things, which makes sense, because Mon and, uh, Perrin's uh, marriage sucks ass, um, so it's like, obviously, they wouldn't want that for their daughter, but their daughter wants it, uh, and, like, that's, that's how this ends, right? This ends with the terrible little boy getting, meet, getting introduced to, to, um, to Leda, and, like, that's, you know, it is such a funny, interesting thing, because this is another insight from a more civilized age, but, like, you know, Leda thinks that she has brought this about because she, you know, has been doing all of her great, like, you know Tradcath shit like she thinks like okay you know i trusted in the the knot and the binding and whatever dumb bullshit um believe but um you know she thinks this is her win that she has been able to you know get her parents to see that she's an adult and, and able to make these choices from herself we're like it's actually not that at all it's actually mom was fundering a terrorist organization and needed some cover uh but you, this is yeah. how you get your weird shitty marriage
0: and it puts Mon in such a shitty place because she doesn't want this for her daughter, but her daughter wants it. But any like and Mon is a technically good parent <laughs> with a shitty daughter and a shitty husband. Right. She's in an impossible
1: she's, situation.
0: <laughs> she's doing all the right things on paper. She's just an absent parent when it like she's not really emotionally there for her daughter. Uh, not because she doesn't want to be, but because there's just, like, no time to be. She's a senator. And her dad is, like, you know, while she's giving her apple slices, her dad is sneaking her goldfish under the fucking table, right? Right. Uh, and and so there's a lot of, like, multiple interactions where is just like, Dad lets me do whatever I want. Like, right. uh, Vel brings her that dress. Right. And Mona's like, I don't care if you wear it, but, like, your Check dad your might father. have a problem with yeah. it. And she says, Dad lets me do whatever I want. And it's, like... The two of them team up against Mon all the time, and it sucks to watch.
1: It's grim, yeah. It's it's brutal.
0: But, you know, when you think about, like, okay, a parent-child relationship, a parent, especially one who doesn't want their kid to make the same mistakes that they did, or to be forced into the same situations that they were forced into, you know, ideally, Mon would have been, like, absolutely not you are not getting married like we are not putting you like you cannot do this trad cath bullshit it is toxic it is bad you will thank me later but because lada already hates her and will already do whatever the fuck she wants she's gonna indulge in it more right so she's truly like in an impossible situation and it just so works out for her that her daughter ruining her own life is the cover she needs for her missing half million credits yeah
1: yeah it's uh, it's so grim because like ultimately mon is like i'm a good person i want to be a good person so bad i am doing this for the sake of everybody else in the galaxy but still like she's she is offering her daughter up in a weird terrible way and like uh, it's it's so brutal and sad and like that's just that's good storytelling that's that's putting your characters in a really tough spot and watching them squirm that's good shit
0: it's fucking grim dude um, so where are we at now? Mon Mothma, her issues with her money, at least, have been resolved, right? So her daughter's going. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's fine. Uh, Luthen is still trying to find and kill Cassian. Uh, the ISB is still finding, trying to capture Cassian and capture Axis, who is Luthen. And, uh, Cassian himself has just freed himself from prison and with one other inmate is, is on the run. The thing that is going to converge all of them back on Ferex, back uh, under the stone and sky, is the fact that Marva dies. She okay. dies of illness. She knows it's going to happen. Uh, she's old and weak and she passes. Um, and, whew, man, that little android bemo is so sad. <laughs> <laughs> anytime pathetic sad little Beemo was on screen i cried i was like this is too much <laughs> it's just that, that old droid has been through so much
1: yeah um, poor boy
0: poor Beemo. um but genuinely like he makes brasso stay overnight with him in that empty apartment that broke my heart that was so mm-hmm. much mm-hmm. um but so cassian calls home and brasso's other shitty friend with the biggest dipshit mouth on the planet uh tells cassian hey your mom is dead like the funeral is coming the custom is two days Mm -hmm. so this is what's going to bring cassian back on a uh and during this funeral uh there's a hollow recording of marva saying goodbye because she's like a prominent member of the community marva basically says fuck the empire a cab fight until you die <laughs> mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. i i wrote the whole speech out when i was watching because i got so hype but basically it ends with like you know um it's easy for the dead to tell you to fight and maybe it's true maybe it's useless perhaps it's too late but i'll tell you this if i could do it again i would wake up early and be fighting these bastards from the start it's so good And just, like, uh, that's the the thing that kicks off, like, this big fight between the cops that are there to ostensibly, you know, provide security for this big funeral, but also to capture Andor and this big funeral, which consists of, like, a full marching band. Um, Oh, rules. There's just this big riot that breaks out. It's awesome.
0: And this riot gives Cassian enough cover to go get Bix. Uh, His team gets on a ship. He sends them away. Cassian himself uh, goes to find Luthan. Uh, and Luthien's like, what the fuck? And Cassian's like, you're trying to kill me, right? And Luthen's like, I mean, yeah. And Cassian's like, okay, kill me or take me in. And that's where you... That's kind of like the open question that their story leaves off on. Um, and then our girl boss, Dedra.
1: Yes, um, I'm interested to see what you thought about how Dedra ended
0: up. I had to rewatch it a couple of times. To really process what was going on. So... Uh, Dedra... In her girl bossery, has met Karn and let him read the report of, like, his downfall. And from that moment on, Karn started, like, stalking her. He basically told her, I had no reason to live until you showed up. And now, like, when I see you, I see, like, purpose, basically. Like, Mm -hmm. I have a reason to go on.
1: Normal stuff.
0: (laughs) Normal behavior. Uh, she tells him, "Fuck off, creep! Never come here again. I will arrest you. Oh, fuck your whole shit. I am mm-hmm. an attendant for the ISP." Mm-hmm. Uh, he does not listen to her. Shows up on uh Ferrex, pulls her out of danger, and she has like a panic attack in front of him. Mm-hmm. She says, "I should thank you," and he says, "You don't have to." And I
1: hate it. Oh, you don't like
0: this? <laughs> <laughs> no, it made me storytelling maybe uncomfortable though
1: (laughs) yes exactly right it is it is so it is like the toxic like two worst people you know are now are now in a weird fucked up relationship maybe like uh it's so sick to see how horny he is in that moment just like uh awful (laughs)
0: It's the maybe. It's the ambiguity that's like really gross, right? Mm-hmm. It's 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 his like weird worship of her and her like n- like truly like trauma bonding, right? Like her truly never having felt that level of fear before mm-hmm. and then like being rescued by this guy she like aligns with but hates delicious Mm -hmm. i hated it i hated every moment of it exactly
1: (laughs) i I have to see more i have to see there's no the the more civilized podcast uh really badly wants um her to meet edie and like (laughs) the the dinner between daedra and edie would be just like incredible (laughs)
0: so oh my god i will never forget when karen's fucking buddy calls him and he's like andor's mom's dead edie's just like hmm the mysteries of your triumphs have been solved i can sleep easy now and then like flourishes her night yeah. coat and goes
1: yeah she's like this is what you did without me you played cop you fucking loser i got you a cool job at the bureau of standards idiot never forget that uh
0: that- i'm pissed we never got to meet his uncle
1: yeah, I want Uncle Harlow in season two. We gotta have, there's only two seasons of Andor, is the thing. There's, there's only one more season scheduled, which, like, is a tragedy, but uh, 2024, I think, that'll be, that'll be the day.
0: Gosh. Well, you can't, you can't, listen, you can't have more than two seasons, there's a movie Yeah. where bad things happen. Y- you don't know that. You don't know what happened. You're right. It doesn't exist. Yeah, doesn't no. Exist.
1: Rogue One is just about the Death Star. You know, mm-hmm. what What could happen, what bad could happen at the Death Star?
0: Yeah, I'm sure it's not a suicide mission. No. I'm sure no. no one dies.
1: No, it's really, yeah, no, I'm sure Ka- There's a shot at the end of Rogue One with Cassian, and he's old, and he's, you know, retired, and he's hanging out with Kino, and uh-huh. it's all great, and nothing bad happens
0: i'm sure diego luna's fine ass doesn't die yeah no
1: no um no i, I, Rich,
0: I, I hey I, I hope it's in his contract that he got a fat fat stack of bennies for showing his feet in 4k like four times during the prison sequence did he yeah do you not remember there, there were like five close-ups on his feet during the i pr- guess i wasn't
1: paying super close attention to his feet um
0: i am just i am just a believer in no free feet
1: yeah no don't put your feet up for free that should be something that your agent negotiates (laughs) like hey if you're gonna show bare feet you gotta you gotta add another 10 percent.
0: yeah i would like i would charge per frame of foot exposure (laughs) great
1: good um yeah no that's very fun um but yeah i mean that's that's kind of how that's that's everything right we we've hit every major arc
0: yeah no that's andor that's andor for real
1: yeah 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 um
0: yeah no i mean
1: it's really good it's you know the mandalorian is uh allegedly coming in march so that'll be a new season of the mandalorian which is like the most successful star wars show since like clone wars so like you know for for me as like a lifelong star wars fan i'm looking forward to that but like having just come off andor and just like I am like genuinely like a little bit bummed out that there's not more and I know that's the trap that's how they get you that's how they get you to get like eight seasons of nothing but like yeah no I I am just really uh I'm a, I'm just really glad that they pulled this off and also desperate to see more Star Wars shit do more interesting like examinations of the world that they live in and not just be like and this is the luke skywalker's lightsaber let's tell you the history of it you care about that right like "Mm. Mm." there
0: was not a lightsaber on screen once the closest you got is during the aldani arc um uh, uh, uh uh Cassian had like a, a piece of a Kyber crystal that he was yeah. supposed to sell. Right. Um, which also, I want to give. I want to give the Aldani arc a flower that I forgot to give it in real time. Uh, he needs an alias when he's uh, working with Val and all of them, and he calls himself um, Clem. Oh my god, Clem! Thank you. He calls himself Clem, and you don't find out for like four episodes that that was his dad's name.
1: Yep. Yep. It's
0: Brutal. really good. It's he also old, has his, the thing is that he gets another uh
1: alias in a little bit after that and his alias is Keith gerga which is extremely funny i, think,
0: I mean like he listen he he buys in he never tells anyone to no his no Cassie.
1: everyone on aldani or everybody in on the rakina 5 thinks his name is Keith gerga which is very funny incredible
0: um you had a you had a pitch for us uh for for our, for our marketing minute um and like uh, thinking about
1: Andor and the ways in which that it is a successful Star Wars spin-off, spinoff, um, you know, I, my, my pitch to you is like, what would you do? What spin-off in the Star Wars universe um, would you do that is, you know, makes that gets deeper like Andor does into its world and, and makes makes a more interesting take on Star Wars? Um, and mine, I see that you've blacked out yours. So mm-hmm. I'm going to say mine real quick, which is, like, I just want to, like, do the, the the seedy underbelly of the Moss Eisley pod racing circuit and, like, talk about all the weird gangs and all the, the weird politics that goes on uh, around uh, the pod racing and, like, what's Cebulba up to? Huh? How did he, what's, what did he do and who all the fucking weird perverts that he hangs out with? Like, that's what I want to do.
0: Yeah, I would fuck with that. I would watch I would watch the four solid seasons of that I love. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite animes that I'm kind of bummed about is uh, The Great Pretender. Uh, I loved season one. Season two does not exist to me. <laughs> season one is just like vignettes of heists. And then season two, they got a little carried away and they were like, what a f- tragic backstory. No. Heists. Stop. I liked the vignettes. So. I have to caveat real quick because the question you posed in the outline the thing you wrote and the thing I responded to uh was uh how would we make a Star Wars spin-off interesting mm-hmm. there is nothing in here at all about adding depth so oh, I want to caveat okay.
1: <laughs> sure. I want to
0: caveat what I'm about to say and do with that
1: all right <laughs> <clears throat>
0: She is a serious, career driven droid mechanic working her way up the corporate ladder. And she is the plucky daughter of a mayor carrying the whole town on her big, beefy, capable shoulders. This Christmas, Aegis Lothpar gets sent on an emergency placement to the Outer Rim, but Jalili Buslim. <laughs> 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 These are all Star Wars name generators. <laughs> has other plans for this Grinch. It's like the Grinch, but it's in space. Star Wars, don't go smelting my heart, will be on Disney Plus this holiday (laughs) season. I
1: would would kill Bob Iger in a cage match to get this. (laughs) I I will do whatever it takes to get a Hallmark-style Disney Star Wars Christmas romance (laughs) movie. Holy shit, that would fuck so bad.
0: Okay, I also want to I want to shout out Marty because I did text them and I was like Marty, quick, I need a name for my Hallmark Star Wars like picture. It's it's the backdrop of Star Wars, but it is like generic self-insert A O three fanfic of mm-hmm. like a holiday rom com. Marty sent me not only a suggestion for the like race of the protagonists instead of human, they would be like that veiled. Um, companion... Okay, I forget what they're called, but they're, there's a race that never shows their faces. And so, like, they're like veiled companions. They suggested it's like a princess in the Switch scenario, and they never see each other's faces, and that's how they get away with falling in love, even though they're supposed to look exactly alike. Because I was like, are you pitching me some sort of like weird narcissist self-sess shit? And that's how they just... I mm-hmm. got lore. I got connection. I got... A cl- uh, so much more than what I asked for. But you're still getting don't go smelting my heart, because... <laughs> I was not trying to be that smart about it. All of my friends are smarter than me, unfortunately. I'm just mm, a jock. I'm all of so your, sorry. All of
1: your friends are nerdier than you and know more about fictional <laughs> universes history than you, which is not a good thing on your friends' part. Um, shout outs to Marty, though, for the incredible world building connections.
0: That's true. You did clock a Kingdom Hearts screenshot to incredible accuracy the other day.
1: I'm not proud of that. Uh, yeah,
0: <clears> I am. I thought it was cool. Uh, yeah so so don't go smelting my heart is a Star Wars story is uh, is my pitch. Kathleen
1: too. Kennedy 775-573-8882 <laughs> you have our number. Do you know do you know how much fucking do you know how much fucking money a Star Wars rom-com would make? Are you kidding me?
0: Are you kidding me right now? Actually, I'm not even joking. Give me a couple of years if I work really, really hard and work my up way up the ladder. Let me do a Star Wars holiday dating sim. It's gonna be Hallmark. It's gonna be delicious. It'll sell a billion copies.
1: Oh my god, Hades but Star Wars, yeah. Like holy shit. That's it. That's it. That's the pitch. Oh my god.
0: Oh my god, mm. Hades Roguelite with romance? I oh, come up. Right. Come up. Mm. 775-573-888.
1: Kathleen, you know you know how to reach us. Um, holy shit! We have got to
0: stop giving away these billion dollar ideas for so, free. Yeah,
1: when we're not trying to, you know, desperately give Disney a gajillion dollars uh, that they, for some reason, refuse to to take. It's money lying right there on the Steel table. Um, not the Durasteel. We, where can we be found on the internet?
0: You can find me at L E Y L S C S on Twitter and Tumblr. Uh, I am currently working on my webcomic and working on my full-time job. Um, What about you?
1: I'm at AaronSXL on Twitter, um, and I'm at aavoit.com for basically everything else. Um, I do tabletop RPG reviews. I talk about writing. I sometimes talk about health policy when I'm really sad. Um, But, like, uh, that's where you can find all our shit. Um, i never bring up health policy for fun reasons (laughs) not in the u.s
0: you can find me one other place if you like my takes for some reason and you want more of them don't know i would but you could um i have a new little tumblr blog where i track like things i enjoy just generally speaking um it's just chill vibes if you want recommendations it's lails likes l-u-i-l-s likes.tumblr.com um feel free to follow me there it's just literally it's just like mini reviews of things i enjoy
1: uh yes, that'll be great. Can't wait to see what you put on that. Our theme song is obsolete by Keshko from the album Filmmaker's Reference kit Volume Two. You can find more of their music at Keshko.bandcamp.com. Layla, what is that thing we always say at the end of Mortify?
0: No weapons, no comms, no credits, no nonsense.
1: <sighs> Ain't that the truth? <laughs> we'll see you all next week.